a restaurant unstoppable episode three seven zero having the culture that we have cannot be handed off it can't be passed off just like a baton it has to be bred in and you've got to really not only love the business and your customers and your teammates uh because we're small and customers find us exciting uh it's because of the food and the service but that comes under under the umbrella of culture and that's part of our family culture but uh that culture it wouldn't work if it were changed just overnight and all of a sudden there was no handshakes no greeting of the customers coming in no opening the doors for an elderly person no walking out to the car somebody needs a car open door opened or anything like that you know part of just old-fashioned manners and courtesy are you ready for it factors success stories failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge then join eric cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable Toast is a simple restaurant platform only for restaurants that connects the POS system to online ordering, gift cards, loyalty, labor, sales reporting. You get the picture. This sucker is all in one. And recently, Toast received $101 million worth of investment, and they're celebrating by giving away $2 million worth of hardware to new customers who sign up with Toast by the end of September or until supplies last. To get your free hardware, head over to pos.toastab.com slash unstoppable 2017 or click the banner in the show notes. You have to use my links. Have you heard of Watsi, a.k.a. the Work Opportunity Tax Credit? Well, HireMe is a platform that connects amazing employers with amazing hourly workers, and it can hook you up with some Watsi. To learn more, head over to restaurantunstoppable.hireme.com. That's HireMe, H-I-G-H-E-R-M-E. And if you contact HireMe about Watsi services for a limited time, you will get three free months with their featured hiring software. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jack Williams. Jack, my friend, are you feeling unstoppable today? Feeling unstoppable and looking forward to (laughs) get started here. Awesome. Let's do this. And a special shout out to Joe Fontana for calling Jack out and making the introduction or at least putting him on my radar. If you guys write to me or tweet to me, Facebook to me, I do listen. I do I do go to work for you, so know that. Uh, all right, so it was over a half century ago when founders Jack and Linda Williams got hitched and began their lifetime dedication to the food industry. Along the way, they helped develop the concept for a well-known steakhouse chain and built 38 restaurants in two decades, becoming their largest and most successful franchisee. In 1991, Jack and Linda Williams would open their first their first Richie's Diner establishment in Temecula, California. Today, there are a total of three Richie's Diners, and it continues to be a family-owned and operated independent concept. Uh, so that's just scraping the surface. Jack, I can't wait to dive in deep to your story and find out how you got to where you are today. But before we do, let's get that motivational, inspirational, 
ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you have for us? You know, it, 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 it sounds corny, but uh, and it's real old-fashioned, and it's not a rule, but uh, it's been a lifelong uh, important for me. If there's a will, there's a way. And, and I've taken it if there's a, a real will and desire to be successful and grow, there's the way. As it turns out, Sizzler was the way. Beautiful. And how does how does that really resonate with you? I mean, you said that Sizzler was the way, which is that that franchise that we mentioned in the introduction. You are 38 restaurants. Uh, you own 38 yeah, restaurants. Yeah, we got to change it. Yeah, and that was 34. 34, okay. Changed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what? What? where did the will come from you? Like, where was this will? Uh, talk to me about that, the will. The will for me was to... Uh, become successful and grow and uh, Sizzler was the tool and uh, the opportunity to grow and become su- successful in the restaurant business beautiful in the restaurant industry so you had started to get into it uh, you met these gentlemen and it became the way for you how did you have this opportunity come to your doorstep did you go out looking for it did it just happen by chance do they seek out you? Like, how did that all break down? How did that fo- unfold? It unfolded as uh, uh, I was sales manager of a very large bakery in the Los Angeles, Southern California area. And at about that time, our largest customers became our biggest competitors. In other words, Ralph's and Bonds and Safeway and Lucky Stores, they all built their own bakeries. So we were limited just to a few large restaurants like Denny's and Sambo's and, and some major change like that. And um, as I was delivering a rebate check to a gentleman that owned three hamburger handouts, and his name was Jim Collins, and he had to be selling his hamburgers for 15 cents when McDonald's was selling theirs for 12 cents. So he was getting beat up. And about that time, Colonel Sanders started Kentucky Fried Chicken on his first Social Security check. And a couple of years later, they had moved the off-ramp because it was a truck stop. And he was going broke. And he came to California uh, and met up with Jim Collins, who wasn't doing well in his uh, uh, 15-cent hamburger stands. And so Jim Collins tried and tested Kentucky Fried Chicken and turned his hamburger restaurants into KFC and signed an agreement with the colonel. And they drew out on an auto club map, San Diego to Santa Barbara, all the way up to Bakersfield, and said, you give me three cents for each bird you sell, and if you want to franchise it in this area, you collect four cents. And that's what started KFC in Southern California. And then Jim Collins wound up buying the small infant concept that only had just a few stores called Sizzler that was started by Dell Johnson. And uh, Jim has taken Sizzler. Uh, now, you know, it, it's pretty much nationwide. And uh, Jim Collins is one of the leading restaurateurs in uh, the United States of America. Awesome. Let me take a break now. Yeah, yeah. So you said that this opportunity came to you. I'm curious. Um, did they? How did you find this opportunity? Because it sounds like you were the the bake. You had a. You said you were the sales manager for as a for a bakery, but how did you get into 
the KFC and uh, Sizzler operations. I'm, I'm not really sure how they found you or how well, you came across them. Yeah, uh, uh, Jim Jim Collins that was running hamburger stands. Uh, I was taking him a rebate check, and and Colonel Sanders had just come to Southern California, and he met with some people that turned him down to put KFC as a franchise. Okay. And then uh, the colonel had walked across to Jim Collins' little restaurant and ordered a cup of coffee and something like a apple turnover, came to 15 or 20 cents, and he started talking. And that's when I met the colonel when he and Jim together for the first day. So that first encounter when he came into Jim Collins' restaurant was the first time that he – it was in that first encounter he offered him opportunity with the franchise? Well, when the colonel came over to uh, very dejected because he'd been turned down by the other folks, he walked over to Jim Collins' hamburger handout and ordered something like a cup of coffee and a, maybe an apple turnover. And at that time, I was there delivering a rebate check from the bakery to Jim Collins at his hamburger stand. And that's when I met the colonel after he had just been rejected by uh, another restaurant in Culver City. And Jim Collins and he started talking, and that led to Jim Collins after a period of, uh, you know, uh, franchise rights for Southern California. Okay, so you just happened to be there. It was you, when this was all going down. <laughs> Is that was that what I'm hearing? It was, it was, well, yeah, it, it was going down with a good customer of mine. That was a large hamburger bun user, and okay. I was there delivering a rebate check to him so, as sales manager of the bread company. So, how did you get involved in this conversation? Were you just like listening in, or did they invite you over? Like, how, like I'm curious about that. No, at that time, uh, uh, Jim introduced me to the colonel, and 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 I just spent a few minutes there, and I didn't know anything really about him other than just meeting him right there, and then had to get on around the rest of my business. Oh man! So they started to go into business together, and did you just kind of stay in the loop? And did Jim Collins reach out to you and say, "Hey, there might be some opportunity for you as well in this?" Oh, absolutely! I became their their bakery and baked all of their Kentucky Fried Chicken buns. Okay. And at the present time, there I was making all of Jim Collins's hamburger buns for his hamburger stands. Oh, okay. So how did you transition into the franchise? How did Jim Collins transition into it? No, so uh, I'm assuming that you were supplying the bread, the, the the biscuits and the bread for the the Sizzler and for the KFC. But didn't you eventually own your own locations? Yes. Uh, after uh, I wound up joining Jim Collins, and Colonel Sanders, in the development of KFC in Southern California as just one of their sort of uh, lieutenants or platoon leaders. Okay, and I wasn't involved in any ownership. And uh, then uh, after many years uh, with Jim Collins and Colonel Sanders, I went out on my own and uh, and uh, became a franchisee of Sizzler and built 34 of the restaurants. Okay. So what were you... And then I... Go ahead. Then during that Sizzler time, my kids and worked their way all through high school and college, and they became Sizzler operators. Okay. And today, my daughter and son-in-law are the largest Sizzler franchisee in 
in the organization, they have 30, no, they have 20, 26 restaurants, restaurants oh, wow. what they have right now. So yeah. what we're here to do, Jack, is to kind of find out what you know to be true about success in the restaurant industry and, and kind of paint the picture of the path you, you took to get to where you are today and the lessons that unraveled along the way. Uh, I'm curious, what year was it when you had this opportunity come to you so I can get a sense of how much time's last? It was over a half decade ago, correct? Yeah, so yeah. The, the earliest start was in nineteen nineteen sixty eight. Was the earliest start, and okay. I started started developing my own little wing feathers, maybe in the middle seventies, you know, and in, in, in late seventies to become a little more uh, uh, where I, I, I sprouted out and became a franchisee of one store. Took an SBA loan, and out of that one store, wound up building thirty four Sizzler restaurants out of that one. Wow. So I kind of, I mean, it's going to be really hard to, to, to go deep on everything that you experience in your, your career just because you've been in it for so long and we only have an hour. So I'm going to try to stay somewhat aerial and go deep every once in a while. Uh, so let's talk about that first transition and of becoming an owner. So what was that experience like, you know, getting the experience, learning under gym and then going out and opening your own? What was that experience like for you? Well, uh, that that was really big. My my wife and I we we took the SBA loan and opened uh, one Sizzler, and through that we were able to uh, grow it over a period of uh, about fifteen sixteen years to uh, uh, thirty four total restaurants. And how and many how many moved, how many years did it take you to go from one to multiple? Well, yeah. Had the second store within a year, year and a half, and then it started being several stores a year. I was opening five or six stores a year there for several years. What was your biggest challenge during the early years in scaling your, your business? I'm curious. Well, in the initial stages, it was uh, uh, the ability to build an organization uh, and, and the motivation of a management team, selection and motivation of management. Okay. So that's something I think a lot of us can relate to. Uh, what did you learn during this time about building that management team and selecting people? Well, what I, what I really learned was uh, to be very, uh, uh, oh, caution's not the word I'm looking for, but being very uh, particular about who you bring into your team and, and initially it was all hands our personal selection of the management team, and we didn't have the finances to really uh, uh, pay big money. But we shared with our new managers as we'd bring them forward that um, we'll share the profits with you, and if you can brand profit on one eyeball and customer satisfaction on the other eyeball we'll share the profits with you very re- rewardingly. And uh, I never gave the managers a pay raise after that. We, we gave them the cost of living adjustment every year, but they had a very good portion of profits from each store, and uh, it was incredible. And that, that was uh, our managers during the 70s and 80s were among the highest paid managers in America, and uh, that was because sharing the profits 
and uh, they were certainly knew how to make a profit, and and we had strong focus on having good people and profits. Okay, so I'm curious. I mean, first, huge lesson there: the power of profit sharing, and you know, just the one saying I love to say is. Uh, the pie is always better when shared. You know, you can eat the pie by yourself, but it's going to be much more enjoyable when you share that pie with other people and you're all better off when you do that. Uh, do you want to reflect on that statement before we move on? No, but boy, you hit the nail on the head better than I could say it, but that was perfect. <laughs> Great. Uh, so the one thing I'm really curious about is your selecting process. You said you put a lot of time in selecting the right people. So, Early on, when you were first getting started, did you get burnt a couple times, like, or was this more instinctual for you that you knew you had to be extremely selective? Well, I, I'm just blessed with good instincts on it, but it doesn't mean that we didn't make some errors uh, in selection and had to correct them. But in, in most part, we we became the leaders in uh, uh, the restaurant industry in Southern California uh, for. Uh, became really well known as far as our management team and training program and selection and compensation program. So aside from paying your people really well and sharing the profits, um, what other incentives did you offer that allowed you to surround yourself with these incredible people, these, these people that you're going to business? Yeah, Let me go back over that just a little bit. Uh, We um, were very careful and, and, and excited about finding the right person that seemed to fit for us. And, and we had a program that uh, we never gave a pay raise. We just gave a cost of living every year to the salary. But then we shared the profits of the store they were in. And then after they had been a manager for five years, we gave them the keys to a BMW. And uh, that was a, a, a very important part for me and for our company, I remember going to one of our, our, our meetings and we had 34 BMWs in the parking lot. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and that, and, and that just makes you pretty proud of your team. So, you know, they never left. If, 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 if they had to leave, it meant we had to get rid of one reason or the other. So I'm curious, what percentage did they get of each store? They got 20% and that was provided, uh, 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 according to how many management people we had in the store. So why is this model better than say just offering a flat rate or standard rate? Why is percentage always better? Well, because uh, it's based strictly on the bottom line and your ability to get a bottom line and your ability to train and motivate, and develop people and, uh, and uh, uh, control the cost and uh, be a great customer person you know, you had to, in this type of a situation, you really had to be a, a, a good trainer and a good customer and a lot of motivation. A lot of, we had an exceptional team that, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, was, it was just, it, it was amazing to have the motivation uh, of how profit, if the, manager the general manager knows that he's responsible for profit of that store and he's going to get a good chunk of it if he does a good job yeah like and let me tell you i don't don't, i'm not aware of any program in america that's ever worked any better and i'm sure there 
have been a lot of them, but boy, ours was outstanding. And at that time in the 70s and 80s, our managers were, as I said, making many of them over 100 a year. Wow. So I'm curious. But not on salary. Their salary was very minimal. It was just enough to live on. Okay. But you also had that, you mentioned you had that uh, cost of living that changed with every year after. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If that, if that would cost living be 3% and, uh, you know, you get a 3% bump, bump in your in your base pay. Okay. So going from say like one, two, three stores up to 34 stores, what do you, what is the key to scaling in your opinion? The key to what was that word? Scaling. Scaling. Yeah. Like getting multiple locations growing over time. Oh, having the right people to grow with and having the opportunity and they see the opportunity and get excited about it. So I'm curious, aside from sharing profits and just taking care of your people and motivating and training them, what else do you think it is that attracted these great people onto you? Well, we made it, it was hard work, but we made it fun and enjoyable. We had a lot of internal workshops. We had a lot of outside speakers. We did things with Cal Poly Pomona, the university, uh, shops and seminars and speakers there. And, uh, uh, you know, quite frankly, our, our company at that time, our little small company, was the, one of the many sweethearts of the industry because of our compensation program and the quality of our management people and the quality of, of awards that we would win from time to time. So it sounds like by first just being great yourself, getting out there, building your reputation, and being the best franchisee to go to work with, you attracted onto yourself other great people, but it started with you first being great and being the best you could possibly be. Is that, is that safe to say? It's safe to say, but I'd want to be real careful. I'd want to see how that comes out because I don't want it to be where I'm bragging on myself. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the truth is I, I've, I've interviewed so many people and uh, what I've learned is that behind every great restaurant is a great person and you just prove something aside from being great. Part of being great, I should say, is humility and not really being willing to accept <laughs> that you might be your own greatness might be why so many great people are attracted to you. So you don't have to accept that if you don't want to, but I'm going to yeah, say no, it. No, I, I appreciate, I, I, <laughs> I respect you saying that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Um, already 26 minutes into this conversation. I'm curious. You, you got out of the franchise world or you still own a couple franchises. Is that correct? No, we don't. Our, your, our your daughter, daughter and son-in-law okay. are, are the largest franchisee of Sizzler today, and they have, I'm not sure how many, but it's in the mid-20s. Okay. So, and uh, they are by far, by far, by far the, okay. most, the most successful, highest volume, and things like that. So you got out of the franchise world, and you went to, and you opened Richie's, uh, which is what I want to spend most of our time talking about going forward until we get to the speed round. But uh, why did you decide to get out of the franchise world and open your own unique concept in the in the sizzler world you're normally behind the counter 
And my wife and I wanted to develop a concept where we would be on out on the floor with customers. And whereas Sizzler is more of a buffet and you go through a line. So we moved out and, uh, and selected uh, the name Richie's, which is named after my Rich Snyder, a gentleman, Rich Snyder, was my closest Christian friend in the restaurant industry. And he was the family owner and heir of In-N-Out Burger. Okay. So, and so that's, that's, that's where I get the name Richie's is after my closest Christian friend in the restaurant industry. What was it Rich about Richie? Well, he was the owner of in Burger and, uh, uh, that's one of the strongest, most respected high volume chains in America. It's like Chick-fil-A. They, they're a Christian, a faith based company and really high volume and, and, uh, uh, he and I became very, very close friends. Okay, and was back there... in the background, go ahead. Go ahead. In the background, he and I uh, were the couple of the early starters that led to the development of the hotel and restaurant management school at Cal Poly Pomona. Oh, cool! So uh, you opened this restaurant, you. You named it after Richie uh, because of what he accomplished, and uh, it sounds like he might have just had a, a huge impact on you, and you wanted to honor that impact he had on you. Um, but why independent? Why did you choose to keep it? I mean, you can have a, a franchise or a chain full-service restaurant where you have that high touch where you're on the floor with the people, but why did you choose to stay small and independent? Well, in, 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 in being small there's one important factor you can be. You can be very unique and it's hard to be unique when you're large. You know, when we had, uh, uh, and our sales over, over 30 sizzlers, we were unique because we were still fairly small, but this, the concept sizzler at that time with about 650 stores, they weren't unique. And it's just hard to be, you can, be very unique if you're small mm. and it's hard to be unique when you're large. Okay. So you had the chance to work in the franchise world and you became extremely successful with 34 total locations. Uh, and you also, you know, over, um, I think it was 1991. So 26 years ago, uh, opened up Richie's and you've done extremely well and you've been extremely successful with the, the independent family-owned con- concept. So let me ask you this. Um, but if you had to compare the experience you had with the franchise and 34 restaurants and having extreme success versus the independent small-scale success of having that, that impact of being unique, which experience to you was more valuable? What, what did you enjoy more? Well, number one, it was 34 restaurants. And uh, – but- in answering your question, uh, all of that background and experience just qualified me to better understand the restaurant industry. And uh, uh, because in Sizzler, my wife wasn't really involved, and now we're involved together. And uh, uh, we were voted, I don't know whether you're aware of this or not, you probably are, we were voted the top small chain in America in 19. 
uh, well, two years ago, yeah, by uh, a group called IFMA. IFMA is the words for International Food Manufacturing Association, and we're the smallest company to ever be honored with that. But in the past, it's been people like Norm Brinker of Chili's and, and Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken and people like that. But we were named the small best small chain in America in, in 2015. So from that experience... Richie, Richie's Diner work. So from that experience of... Wait, was it for Richie's Diner or for the Sizzlers you got the award? No, no, Richie's Diner. Best oh. small chain in America. Okay. Um, I don't know why I thought... I, I did see that and I assumed it was for the Sizzler because I was under the impression that the... Uh, Richie's wasn't a chain, but I guess with three locations, I guess that's technically a chain. Um, so <laughs> that, that might be up for discussion. <laughs> yeah. So what do you, first two, I want to ask two questions. First question, you said that you got into Sizzler to learn the industry. I want to like narrow it down to like three major things you learned. And then I want to talk about what made what, or what makes Richie's the best small chain in the country. Uh, according to this, uh, foundation uh that gave you this title but first what were the biggest lessons you learned working under sizzler uh in if you could just like narrow it down to like three things what were the biggest lessons you learned well there's just one really big lesson it's not the food business it's the people business mm. and then selection of people and development of people and motivation and encouragement of people is it has been very very it's not a secret at all but it's overlooked by ninety nine percent of the people. You know, it's it's not a secret, but I think what I think it's hard. It's really hard to have the discipline to not lower your standards and just throw any heartbeat, any pulse into a role. Uh, so how do you have that? Is would you say it's discipline that has allowed you to to, to not budge on that standard? Oh, I'm not sure that would be the word I'd use, but I mean. What is the word? It, it's just it, maybe I, I'm not sure. I, I don't mean this to be in a braggadocious way, but I think it's a gift. We have a gift of, 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 of understanding people and selection of people. So more like, I don't know, like emotional intelligence, empathy, and just understanding people in general. Well, I would be honest with you. I, I would say that, that and this may not be anything you're doing with publish, but God has gifted my wife and I uh, with just a very special uh, opportunity and ability uh, to select and and motivate people. Wow. Um, man, one thing I've absolutely learned surrounding myself, listening to the stories of people like yourself, is that you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And uh, I think it was – Yeah, and it was uh, Henry Ford that realized that. And he climbed – and to the top and built the business he built because of the people he surrounded himself with. And he, and he attributes every, all of his success to the people he surrounded himself with. So, uh, I agree with you 100%. And, uh, what was it? So when it comes back to Richie's and what you learned with Richie's, uh, getting this title, the best small chain in America, uh, what was it about Richie's, uh, that you think made you the best small chain? Uh, is it again, the people? Yes, it was. Without a doubt, it's people, and then and uh, uh, 
we turned out to be extraordinarily high volume, extraordinarily uh, uh, good food. I mean, we've just been praised and praised and repeated for uh, our people and our food and our service. I mean, and having been in the business the amount of years I've been in, I've never it's very unusual to have as many accolades as what we've received. So, Jack, I, I want to see if I can extract some actionable lessons from you, some some nuggets, some you know, it it's definitely true what you said about surrounding yourself with amazing people and you're only as good as your people and it's that ability to see and select people that has helped your success. But what advice can you give the people listening to this right now? Uh, things that they can start doing in their business to have a greater impact on people in, in people management, I guess. Well, number one, I think is be an encourager, being very selective of who you surround yourself with, and then treating every customer like, man, it's so good to see you. Glad you're back. Or what is your name? I don't believe I've met you. Well, those are good-looking kids. Those kids are grandkids. You know, just the personal touch of, and, and we have it with, um, gosh, one of the, one of the stores runs close to 7,000 customers a week, another one close to six, another one close to six. And that's a lot of people to shake hands with and see every week. So the three things I wrote down is being encouraging, uh, being selective of your people, and acknowledging customers and caring and that high touch, high care with the customers. You bet. You bet. I think that it it. It sounds okay the way that's being read back, but it, it doesn't sound as friendly as what we are. <laughs> yeah. So, Avid, it's how do you show up every day, Jack, with that encouragement, with that that care? Well, I'm sure that it changes a little from day to day, but... Listen, we'd never walk into that door that we don't expect to say hi to someone, shake their hand, or, or, or hold their baby. You know, I mean, it's just it, it, it's just a never stop thing. Mm. I'm curious. I mean, I, it's just I feel like a lot of people they they get into this industry with the right intentions and they want to do great things, but they might burn out or they might lose the passion. They might lose the fire. What what is it about you and your wife? over the past since, you know, 1991 with Richie's that has allowed you to show up every day with that same intention, that same passion in your belly. Uh, do you have any like routines yeah. or is there anything that you do that helps you reset and refocus on what matters? Well, change that, uh, that 1990, was it what? 91 Did you say change that to 89. That's when we opened our first store, 89. Okay. And, uh, I think it. I don't know. That's hard to really put your finger on. <laughs> it is hard, you know. You know it, we, we, uh, our management and our team and our crew reflect Linda and myself, and we make it a point to spend time, uh, really, at every table throughout the day, 
when we're in the restaurant and uh, uh, there's nothing to my knowledge that a customer that's in our industry or at least our segment of the industry because we're not white cloth dinner house so and, and, and wearing white gloves or anything but in the family casual what people really love to be acknowledged and say boy how are you today gosh you're looking good you guys doing as good as you look you know and things like that are you feeling as good as as, as you really look and you know and it isn't long before you get to know you know in these small communities where we are like 130 140,000 uh, uh, you get to know the mayor and the councilman, the state senator, and all the county supervisors and everything. And, you know, pretty much uh, that's where they want to wind up meeting after you've been around a year or so. You know, they, they're they part of your team. And, and let me tell you, they really, word of mouth is, is as you know, it, it's, it, as long as it's really strong word of mouth, you can't beat it. Yeah. Man, um, can't believe it's already been 41 minutes. Uh, we're about to go to the speed round, but before we take a break and thank our sponsors, I want to get a time from you, Jack, that you failed. Uh, can you think of a time that you made a wrong decision or you, you just didn't do something right and take us through that failure? Oh, it, it, it goes back a lot of years, back to college days. I mean, We've really been blessed by being in the restaurant industry because uh, it, it, it's been uh, challenging and interesting and expensive, but very rewarding. But uh, I, I really, I, as far as the failure, I, I, I just, I, I can't tell you anything that has been a real setback for me. You know, I mean, we were raised uh, extraordinarily poor as sharecropper children in uh, West Texas and Eastern New Mexico. And, you know, uh, so you certainly appreciate being able to uh, have become at least partially successful. And, you know, we're at a point now where the residents that we have, uh, you know, we have no debt. We have outstanding management team that's um, making good money from their their prop, their share of the profits, and I mean, it's just been a blessing. And we're we're just, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, away on it. <laughs> it's fine. Basically, at this, I like to. I, I think we can learn the most from the the wrong decisions that we make. Right. And when we choose to do something that doesn't necessarily pan out, there's a lot of lessons. I mean, people call those failures. I, I call it lessons learned. Is it really a failure unless you learn yeah. something from that? So is there a time you can reflect on where you made that wrong decision and you took the business in a direction that wasn't right? Or have you just been extremely fortunate in that regard? <laughs> well, it's just been extremely fortunate because, wow. uh, you know, we, started off with one store on an SBA loan and, and uh, you know, uh, I mean, we've had to do a lot of hard knocks and, yeah. and things like that, With uh, but uh, nothing that, you know, caused us to ever turn our, our desires and our passion away from the restaurant industry. And uh, probably the most difficult thing is for a husband and a wife 
be in the same industry and uh, work side by side. And, and uh, uh, you know, and there's probably been the biggest opportunity I've had for improvement and, and biggest challenges I've had is, is, is uh, you know, to work and share the responsibility uh, uh, in ownership and management with my wife, but that's turned out to be the biggest blessing of it all. Okay, there's... But like in my sister days, you know. Go ahead. I was going to say, there's got to be a lesson there. I mean, I feel like there's probably a handful of people that are listening to this episode right now who have gone into business with their significant other. What is your advice for that person who is partnered with their significant other uh, on, on just how to coexist in, in life and in business together? Well, you got a, a family marriage, a husband and wife marriage, and then you got a business marriage yeah. and, and it's two different, it's two different, uh, significant, uh, deals. And you got a, a business partner that, uh, uh, See, in, in my case, I was uh, uh, viewed as being very successful in the restaurant industry and Sizzler and everything like that. And then when we moved out of Sizzler and started our own little concept called Richie's Diner, uh, my wife was involved from day one. And, uh, uh, you know, learning to work together uh is different than being married to a person and seeing them just at home and at night and things. I mean, and that's really been a rewarding experience. Uh, but it's also one that I didn't have any experience of doing and you really have to, uh, be open-minded and, and, and be focused to understand that, Hey, you know, there's a lot more to learn here than what you've learned in the past. And what you've been taught in the past. So, what did you learn going into business with your wife? What did you learn about your wife? Well, that her contribution of uh, of uh, sharing ideas and and uh, and and looking at looking at it from a wife's or a, a lady's perspective is a lot richer and more rewarding. Than I ever thought it could be because that uh, that view from a significant other is very very important and you know I never thought about that when I was a sister you know I just make the decision go my way interesting Um, okay I think we can take a break now to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back with the speed round. Whether you're hiring a line cook, server, host, or manager, hiring is a time-consuming endeavor. However, there is a little-known way to lower your cost per hire. It's called Watsi or Work Opportunity Tax Credit. By hiring qualified workers from certain target groups such as veterans, SNAP recipients, and individuals living in empowerment zones, you can potentially receive thousands of dollars in tax returns. Hire Me is all about maximizing employer effort and Watsi is one great way to do just that. If you want to be guided through the Watsi process every step of the way, visit restaurantsunstoppable.hireme.com. That's Hire Me, H-I-G-H-E-R-M-E. 
E. And if you contact Hire Me about Watsy services for a limited time offer, you will receive three months of free hiring software. Get on it. Ever since episode number one, Restaurant Unstoppable has been tracking the most recommended technologies from our past guest mentors, and Toast is at the top of that list. With Toast, you get online ordering, gift cards, loyalty, labor, sales reporting, ELO, kitchen-grade monitors, and handheld tablets to empower your staff. That's right. No more traffic jams at the POS system. Toast customers have experienced a 20% increase in revenue via improved throughout, 3x increase in tips from digital signatures, and a 50% increase in online ordering after switching to the Toast platform. Recently, Toast received 101 million dollars worth of investment and they're celebrating by giving away two million dollars worth of hardware to new customers who sign up with toast before the end of september or until supplies last to get your free hardware head over to pos.toasttab.com slash unstoppable 2017 or click the banner in the show notes you need to use my links and we're back. And the first question I have for you, Jack, is what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Enjoying uh, uh, people and uh, meeting people. Enjoying and meeting people. What is your biggest weakness? Working when I'm tired. How do you get over that? How do you overcome that weakness? Just uh, manage your time, manage yourself, and manage your schedule uh, more effectively. And it's easier said than done when you're in business for yourself. I'm curious, how has working when you're tired hurt you in your business? I just get fatigued and... You know, at, at my age of uh, 83, you run, start running a little bit slower, and you say, oh, boy, I'm getting tired. I need to get out of here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? Patience and be an encourager. Patience and be an encourager. You said that before, being an encourager. Um, very big, very big, and very much underutilized in the restaurant industry. It's funny. It reminds me of Anise uh, Kavanaugh, who was recently on the show, uh, and she is kind of an expert on energy in uh, bringing your energy to the table and bringing your positive energy to the table and lifting up those around you. And it's different words, but in a sense, um, it's kind of like being an encourager. So what are your what's your biggest advice in, on being able to encourage other people? Well, it's very important uh, to your crew members and to customers. As many as possible, know their name and in- encourage just by saying, hey, good to see you. How are you doing today? Or how did the french fries turn out today? Or, you know, did, the, did your grocery load come in okay? Just showing an interest and being a good listener. So when I, when I think of encouragement, I think of, like, seeing somebody who's down or seeing somebody who might not have the – I don't know, confidence to, or just the energy that day to show up 100%. So is there a trick to encouraging somebody to being the best they can be aside from just showing an interest in them? 
I don't know if there's a trick, but I mean, showing a personal interest in a person and looking at, at them very carefully and warmly when you're talking to them is really a lot of encouragement. As long as they know you're interested in them and you care for them. And it has to be genuine is what I'm, what I'm picking up from you. Oh, 100%. 100%. Forget it if it's not. Well, I love it. Uh, what is one question or thing you look for during the interview process when you were interviewing? Was there any characteristics or things that you can share with us that you looked for in other people? Well, yes. For us, we're looking for smile and personality and 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 to see if we can see in, in that person uh, encouragement what have they enjoyed doing in their past jobs and what they not enjoy and you know and just understanding guys like if I were talking to you now and interviewing you you know and let you know that you know you're not in a, you're not in a, being interviewed for a, a restaurant job you're being interviewed for a people job because and we start building the foundation that this is a people business and it's very important that you be a people person and that we see you as being a people person. And do you, do you see yourself as being people friendly and, you know, things like that. So what is your biggest challenge today? Boy, there's several of them, but, uh, uh, you know, if you're opening a new restaurant, that's, that's, that's several challenges, land and building and cost of money. If, in running your operations, it's, it's people and, and how well are you as a people selector and a people developer. So, Jack, for, and, for you right that, now, what is your biggest challenge today for you personally? Being able to pass the baton on the, to uh, uh, our family and uh, my sons. So, what's be is specific that be- about that? What what is it about that 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 role, that responsibility of passing the baton on that's most challenging for you? Well, it, it's not intellectual or uh, attitude or anything, but our Richie's Diners has been built so much on old-fashioned manners and courtesy and a lot of handshakes and a lot of how are you and how the kiddos and how's the uncle and the aunt. And, and uh, so when you have a business that is as highly successful as ours in, in, in sales and profits and customer count every week, and it still continues to grow some, uh, how to pass that baton on, uh, it's not that it's not just as saying, Hey, I can do it. This, this is my daughter. This is my son. They've got to have that feeling and that desire to, you know, if you change the concepts pretty soon, you can see that concept, uh, weakened. So you're being the concept. Sorry. The concept is seen by from the concept as it's seen by customers, you know, that uh, know the attitude and the culture of the store. And that's very important for us is the culture that Richie's Diner has developed is to be careful 
and keep that culture where it's viewed uh, as uh, as pleasant and as rewarding as it is today. Culture is a big deal. Mm, absolutely. So, in your opinion, what do you think the what do you think the secret's going to be, or what do you think is going to do it? Uh, by it, I mean passing along this culture. How do you do that? How do you do that successfully? How do you pass your values and your culture on to the next generation successfully? Well, I think you better go to Harvard and, and ask those guys because <laughs> I can't tell you. But uh, I can tell you this, that that uh, uh, having the culture that we have cannot be handed off. It can't be passed off just like a baton. Mm. It has to be bred in and you've got to really not only love the business and your customers and your teammates uh, uh, because we're small and customers find us exciting I mean you know any no restaurant around us has anywhere near the amount of customers per week that we serve and uh, uh, it's because of the food and the service but that's comes under under the umbrella of culture and uh, uh, and that's part of our family culture but uh, that culture it wouldn't work if it were changed just overnight and all of a sudden there was no handshakes no greeting of the customers coming in no opening the doors for an elderly person no walking out to the car somebody needs a car open door opened or anything like that you know part of just old-fashioned manners and courtesy. Is this something that you see in the next generation uh, of, of the people who are going to be taking over the Richie's brand? Are you, are you seeing these values, this culture present, and do you have hope that it will remain the same after you pass it on to the next generation? We have strong hopes that it'll, that it'll be passed along, and yes, I'm seeing uh, uh, some growth in that area, and I uh, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more growth in it, but that's not, you know, when you're in the, in the business like we are and our success has been not just the food and good locations, but it's the old fashioned manners and courtesy. Mm. And, uh, that, uh, is not just something you can teach. Uh, it's something that you've got to have the desire and the love for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, our family has that and it shows, uh, more and more as, as they're getting further into the business. Like mm-hmm. our, our sons have been like three years in, and he's always been in the business cause they were raised in it. But I mean, uh, his career with us has started about three and a half, four years ago. And the second son, he's, you know, he's a, in uh, his 40s, I mean, he's uh, he has exceptional people skills and stuff like that. Beautiful. And that's a big deal for a customer to walk in and know that, hey, look at there. You know, for a customer to know that somebody's glad they're there. Awesome. How are you? Awesome. I'm going to ask the next question. I think I already know the answer to it, but I'm going to ask anyway. And that's what's one thing besides food your restaurant does really well that separates you from other restaurants? Old-fashioned manners and courtesy. Old-fashioned manners and courtesy. I love it. Uh, okay, what is it's one... 100%. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what is one book that's a must-read for us to become a better person or a restaurant 
owner. You know, you may not want to use this, but I, for me, it's the Bible, and that's the best handbook in America, and it's the best handbook's ever been put together. I'll use it. I have no problem using that, and I'm curious, what is it? I love it, love it, boy, <laughs> and I thank you for that, boy. No problem. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, we all know what the Bible is, but what what will the Bible teach you that will help us be better restaurant owners or people? I mean, in your opinion, well, like, what is it, it for it, you? It, how to not only be a good employee, but how to be a good leader and how to be a good manager. And, uh, and, and it certainly shows and brings out respect. Uh, uh, and the word love is the most important word coming out of the Bible. And, you know, you just, you can't beat it. it. And you don't have to say it, but you have to be able to experience it and show it in, in your handshake and, and glad to see people and, you know, showing that attitude of a servant. Mm, I love it. Uh, what is one piece of technology your restaurants have recently adopted that have had a huge impact on operations? Well, more and more the social media and uh, that. And then secondly is just the nuance or the newness of how important uh, delivery services becoming home delivery. Okay, so and, uh, dive into that a little bit. What do you? What do you? What services are coming to mind when you when you think of home delivery? Well, we're not far enough into it yet. We're we're just preparing to. Uh, 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 we're in the early stages of developing our program, and uh, uh, right now our home delivery. We don't have a home delivery. But we have uh, uh, a lot of folks calling in and picking up and taking home. But we do not, and we're not experimenting yet with, but we, we're going to uh, be looking carefully into the home delivery. Are there any uh, services that come to mind any, that you've done a little bit of research on up to now, or have you not quite dove in yet? We have, because every, every workshop and seminar you go to, there's yeah. a little bit more information coming out about it, you know. Yeah. Uh, can you share any services that you're interested in that maybe you can sh- our listeners can take a look at, too? Well, gosh, I'm just trying to think, and, and my mind's drawing a blank, but it shouldn't be, but it'll come to me. Let's see. Uh, I'll throw out a couple. Uh, uh, Caviar or DoorDash or... Are DoorDash. Those- DoorDash. Okay. Right? Yeah, DoorDash is really making a lot of the workshops and and conferences. They're they're DoorDash and and uh, throw out another name. So some of the uh, tools that have been recommended on the show include Try Caviar or Try Caviar or Caviar, just to stir up Caviar, Uber Eats, and DoorDash are the three that have been recommended on the show. And uh, why do you think that's uh-huh. the, something that's taking time to look at and invest in? From a customer standpoint, are you speaking? Or just as a business owner standpoint, why is it something that's worth investing in? Well, it, it might be cannibalizing your business if you're not, you might allow your business to be cannibalized uh, if you're not part of, uh, uh, of reaching out to that segment of the community, and that's a growing segment of the community. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so with all the knowledge you have today, if you could go back to 1968 when you're just getting started in the restaurant business and give yourself one piece of business advice, 
what would it be? Boy, that's a be an encourager. Beautiful. Work hard and be an encourager. Work hard and be an encourager. I love it. And is there anything that we did not get to discuss today, Jack, or a question I could have asked you that you think would have brought more value to our conversation? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't believe so. You've really asked. Uh, uh, <laughs> I tried. Easy for me. <laughs> yeah, well, you have. You've done it, boy. Thank you. You get a triple A plus. But I mean, well, well it I was... don't think so, but I. Go ahead. No. I, I, I feel really good about the questions you've asked Thank you. and how you've asked them. And, uh, and uh, no, I feel, uh, quite frankly, very pleased about it. Awesome. Well, you were amazing. Uh, and, you know, so much of what I learned in 300 and I think 70 interviews now, I think you're 370 or 371, is that behind every great restaurant is a great person. And if you really want to be successful in this industry, for first focus on becoming a great person. And if you care about others and you're, you're great to others, then it will come back some way, some form. And I think you are an, an incredible example of that. So thank you so much for allowing me to share your story and your values and your passion for just being interested in, in caring for other people. Uh, it was an honor to make an example of you. And uh, we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who is one independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you've made for us today? Well, you need somebody that's alive. My buddy, Rich Snyder, that was the owner of In-N-Out Burger, uh, he was killed in a plane crash show. You don't, you want a person that's alive today. Yeah, uh, that would, that would be helpful. Yeah, that'd help. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, a gentleman by the name of, um, you know, I don't know. Let me, let me run this by you and, and don't make any decision on this, but my daughter and son-in-law, are now the the largest Sizzler franchisee in the business in the Sizzler chain. They have um, twenty plus stores, and they're the largest franchisee, and they're the best. And they are so um, so effective in their leadership and their sales and their profits and their people development. I don't know of anyone that around in our industry today that's quite as like they are. I guess the other person, the other company would be like Habit Burger. I'm I'm really impressed with their leadership. Um, Habit Burger. And uh, can you think of the name of the man or woman, but who's behind that restaurant? Russ, R-U-S-S, Bendel, B-E-N-D-E-L. All right. And he's taken that company public. He's taken that company public about, you know, eight or 10 months ago. He's one of the best minds, best, in my opinion, one of the best two or three minds in the restaurant industry. Beautiful. So he's outstanding. He's, he's got an incredible mind. And 
I'm a, I'm just a friend, not a close friend, but I'm, I, I respect our friendship with him, but I don't spend a lot of time with him or anything. I usually just see him at different conferences two or three times a year, and we just say hi and maybe have a cup of coffee together. But Beautiful. Uh, I can tell you, he, he is really uh, one of the best leaders in the industry. Awesome. So that's Russ. One of the, one of the best. Go ahead. He, he's just really solid. He's one of the very best leaders in our industry. So that's Russ Bendel of Habit Burger and Gary and Sally Myers of Sizzler. Look out, guys. I'm coming after you. And maybe if somebody wants to come join your team, uh, what's the best way to connect? Website or social handle uh, if you want to come work under you and your influence? Oh, just my email probably, you know, or, or uh, uh, and I, I we've got a Richie's website, but it's richiesdiner.com. Okay, richiesdiner.com. And can I share your email? Is that okay? Or do you want to keep that private? No, I don't mind. So that's uh, uh, JW Richie's Diner at AOL.com. You got it. I'll have those links in the show notes. This is episode 370. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 370. Jack, again, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and for me to just be able to make an example of you. There is no questioning, my friend. You are unstoppable. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. One of the <laughs> things that I'm, I'm a little bit – one of the things that I'm sensitive about is I don't want it to be all just Jack Williams because once we got out of Sizzler and started Richie's, it's Jack and Linda Williams. Jack and, and I really need that. <laughs> Jack and Linda Williams will give a shout out to your wonderful wife as well. Uh, I'm sorry she couldn't join yeah. us today. Yeah, I, I just don't <laughs> want to sleep in the doghouse. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> well, thank you again. <laughs> and uh, just like I said, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Right. Cheers. Great stuff today. And again, special thanks to Jack Williams, uh, such a veteran of the industry. Uh, just so much knowledge. Uh, I wish we had more than an hour to go over this stuff, but just a quick summary of the things I pulled from today's conversation. The power of surrounding yourself with incredible people. That's how it started for Jack. It was Jim Collins and uh, the colonel. He surrounded himself with these people. He he joined the teams. He learned all he could from these people, and he took what he learned, and he applied it to his own businesses and uh, 34 franchisees and I typically don't have franchise people on the show but whenever somebody comes to me and they say hey you need to get this person specifically on the show like Joe Fontana did for us uh, I I kind of go against that rule to be able to allow ourselves to, to have their influence uh, but what I loved about the story was how he transitioned from that franchise model to that independent family owned model because he wanted to have a greater impact. He wanted to have that high touch. He wanted to know everybody and touch every table and show his people that he cared. Great stuff. Um, in that conversation, uh, we also covered the power of profit sharing and not, you know, you, you need to give something for people to, to, you know, give you that little extra. And when you share the pie with them, when you, when you make it about us and not about me, it totally changes everything. 
uh, how being small allows you to stay unique, the ability to, uh, how you need that ability to select and motivate people uh, came out in today's conversation. How to have impact. He gave us those three tips on uh, being an encourager, uh, creating a personal touch with, with each one of your guests, and being highly selective with the people you hire. So many great things, but really uh, impacted me and resonated with me was this idea of uh, his biggest challenge today, which is passing what he created on to the next generation. And he said something that really resonated with me and it's that this whole idea of culture isn't something that can just be passed on and easily bred into people and you need to transform people and give them the values that you have and that's what we should be all be doing with everyone who comes into our restaurants not just our own children but we need to be influencing the next generation of people uh making them better people that's culture uh culture is a living thing whatever is happening in your restaurant right now. That is your culture. And you need to really put a lot of energy and thought and care into developing the next wave of people. Uh, and like he says, it's a, it's a culture of uh, just being or having old fashioned manners and courtesy. And uh, I just love the humility that we got from Jack today. Uh, not taking all the credit, knowing that he, he couldn't have gotten to where he, he did get without the people in his life, his incredible wife, uh, his, his children, his employees. Uh, awesome stuff today. Like always, guys, please do reach out to me. If you know somebody who would make a great guest mentor on the show, put them on my radar. That's what Joe Fontana did. And look, we got Jack on the show. I do listen. I do go to work for you, but you have to take the initiative. You have to reach out to me. Uh, email me, Eric with the C at restaurantunstoppable.com or find me on Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Cacciatore. Uh, Keep those five-star reviews coming. Those help so much. We just busted 100 reviews. Thank you to everyone who left a review. Those reviews are just social proof of the work we're doing here. So uh, you know, keep those reviews coming. Thank you so much if you have left one. And I don't know. I'm rambling now. <laughs> Thank you so much for sticking around this long. And until next time, peace out.